Um, this, in the pastoral world, uh, this Sunday is known as Youth Pastor slash Associate Pastor Sunday. The intensity of Christmas comes, and then the next Sunday always gets kicked down to the Youth Pastor or the uh, the Associate. And of course, I didn't have Rick this year, so I was all in a kerfuffle. And my process for uh, planning and preparation was completely out of whack because our little 12-week-old puppy broke her leg. And we've had to, oh, guys, no, even pour on more. Like the mercy, it's, yeah, thank you very much. It has been, um, I mean, she's so sweet, but man, it is, it's quite, a, quite an investment of uh, time. We've had to reorganize our life until uh, the end of uh, January. So I come here this morning with fractured thoughts. Uh, I was up late last night, and I just thought, oh, God, like I just have not been able to prepare the way I normally do. So if this feels a little disjointed at times, it's not you, it's me. Um, I, I did want to, uh, yeah, I, I hope this is, this is helpful for you. I've been tracking with a few things, and I wanted to put them before us, especially in light of moving into a new year. So this is a time of the year that, again, a lot of people want to be or hope that it's going to be some kind of a symbolic reset. They're looking ahead to what's next, trying to anticipate what's next in their business, in their life, um, relationships. Lots of goal setting happens this time of year. That was certainly my personality default for much of my life. Uh, I'm an achiever. I like to feel like I've accomplished things, so I like to make goals. And there's a few times in the year where that, to me, made a lot of sense to say, yeah, this is a good time to kind of you know, check in with my goals or make new ones. And this one is it was just its just a sweet spot, right? You got a little bit more time before New Year's and you, you want that calendar to click over. And when it says January 1st, you want to feel like there's a blank slate and all of the, yeah, the mistakes and the uh, false starts and the good intentions that waned the previous year that actually it's going to be different. And... We want there to be change. We want there to be growth. Uh, we, we want this year to be better than the last. But what I've learned over lots of years of life and over 20 decades of following Jesus is that a Christian prepares for the new year differently than someone who just comes with good intentions and says, here's some resolutions. I want to be a better person. I want to build a better life. Here's sort of uh, semi-clear goals, or, or maybe here's a, a list of goals. A Christian approaches New Year differently. I think a Christian changes your approach to everything in life, sometimes in very subtle ways, sometimes in, in huge ways. But this is a time of year that is strategically, I think, I think it is important, uh, if you are a follower of Jesus, to take advantage of... Um, the time for reflection that culturally we're all being invited into. I want to talk about three things that I would put before myself and have been, and I'd like to put it before you. I want to talk about the importance of planning with wisdom. I want to talk about the importance of moving forward with purpose and peace. And I want to talk about the importance of developing a rule of life. So I want to talk about planning with wisdom, moving forward with purpose and peace, and then developing a rule of life. So let's talk about planning with wisdom. It is wise and good to plan for the year ahead. Even if 2024, for you personally, looks completely unstable and uncertain in every dimension, it's still good to plan. 
I understand temperamentally some of us hate to slow down and plan. We just want to charge forward. And planning, especially as we get into some of the granularity, just feels so boring. Um, it doesn't feel very spiritual. And we want to just kind of get on with things. But generally speaking, it's not wise or mature or constructive or effective or spiritual to just kind of go with the flow. Uh, I was reading an article this week that said, only dead fish go with the flow, right? When it comes to our life's direction, when it comes to our purpose, we have to be intentional. We have to plan. We have to prepare. And that doesn't mean having a color-coded calendar like you'll find in our house with everything from 5 in the morning until 9 o'clock at night planned out on the principal level for meals and activities. But there has to be a measure of preparation. We should be moving into 2024 with intentionality. Proverbs 14 says, The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. Not to just reflexively do life, but to give thought. Are my ways aligned with what I want, with what God wants? Are they actually going in the direction that I'm intending them to? Proverbs 21, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Planning and preparation are part of the responsibility that God has given us so that we live in alignment with what matters most. And we don't get to next December 31st and think, oh, what a year. Um, yeah, I, I just hope next year is different. Without giving thought to your ways, without any kind of planning and preparation, you're only going to end up with at least one, if not all four of these things, you're going to end up scattered where your schedule is full, but it actually doesn't reflect your purposes and priorities. It's going to feel like life is happening to you instead of you leading your life with God's help. Or you're going to feel hurried where you're busier than you want to be. You can't be present because you're stuck in what needs to happen next. You don't know how to change and it just feels like there's this momentum, again, that is pushing you in a direction that you're not even sure if you want to go. So you can be scattered, you can be hurried, or you will be reactive. Again, feeling like you're never in charge, you're just sort of putting up fires, whatever demands, scream the loudest, you're pivoting there. Or lastly, you're arriving at the end of every day and probably every week exhausted. Being scattered, feeling perpetually hurried, reactive and exhausted, those are all signs that we are not planning and preparing for the relationships and the responsibilities in our lives. So we need to plan with wisdom. And planning should include many wise advisors. This isn't something we can do on our own. Often what we think will work for us or what we think is best for us is off the mark. We all have blind spots, right? And so it's important to have people that you trust who know us, who can come along inside and say, this is what I'm intending, this is the direction I plan to go, Give me your feedback. Proverbs 12 says, The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Proverbs 15, Plans fail because of lack of counsel, but with many advisors, plans succeed. Proverbs 20, Plans are established by seeking advice. And so if you wage war, obtain guidance. And I like that because I know for some of you, 
life right now feels like war. It's not just wake up and everything's generally fine. It feels like a fight. It feels like a battle. And if you're going to go to war, you better obtain guidance. You're going to need help. In Proverbs 24, the wise prevail through great power, and those who have knowledge muster their strength. Surely you need guidance to wage war, and victory is won through many advisors. So you need to plan, and you need to include other people in that plan who can help you. And then you've got to put effort into that plan. Don't just chase fantasies hoping that you're going to sort of manifest a new life by picturing it in high resolution by envisioning it more clearly, or simply by intending it. Intentions have to give way to action. There has to be a plan. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. And as we plan and prepare, there should be for a Christian a continual test of our motives and our desires and the idols that call to us, those things which we uh, on an individual level, are uniquely tempted to put ahead of God. God knows our hearts, and we're never going to get it perfect. There's very few things, I, I, probably not, I shouldn't even say very few. There's, there's very little that I do with completely pure motives. But I constantly bring it before God and surrender my plans and my purposes and my motives before God and ask Him to align my motives and desires with His. And I do that because, as Proverbs 16 reminds me, all of a person's ways seem right to them. But motives are weighed by the Lord. And so commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. And lastly, a, a, a kind of a Christian prepares and plans for the future, understanding that God's purpose, that God's will prevails. The sovereignty of God, as one person writes, will always be a huge factor in the outcome of our plans and efforts. God's purpose will prevail. So yes, we have cause to say that uh, we have cause and confidence that as we plan and prepare and ask for God's help and blessing and involve other people and make sure that this isn't coming from a place of self-aggrandizement or self-centeredness, that we want to use our gifts and have a productive, constructive, fruitful year, that God will bless that work. Um, we want to be careful not to assume that that outcome that we have in our mind, oh, this is what I'd love 24, 2024 to be like, that that becomes an idol. That that, in a sense, becomes what we're holding God hostage to. God, I'll absolutely surrender to you and do all of these things and as long as you can bring this into my life. No, we have to say, this might be what I want, but not my will, yours be done. Many are the plans in a person's heart, Proverbs 19 says, but it is the Lord and his purposes that prevail. And Proverbs 27 says, don't boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. So we plan, but not with a sense of entitlement or with a sense of arrogance that we are somehow controlling the future. We are planning and preparing because that is wise and good for us to do. We're bringing agency and stewardship to our relationships and responsibilities while recognizing we are not God, we are not in control, and we don't even actually know what's best for us. And so sometimes God thwarts the plans that to us seem like, why would God thwart that? It's amazing. 
because there are other pieces and factors at play. And we want to cultivate a heart that says, okay, it's not about trying to achieve this particular kind of life. It's about planning and preparing and moving forward in a way that honors God and that is learning to trust him with imperfect processes. And so what is ours to do as you move into a new year? Well, ours to do is to faithfully plan and commit these plans to God, um, check in with God, go for daily bread, say, God, I need you for today. I'm going to focus on today and then trust God with the results. What is ours not to do? What we don't want to do as Christians is to try and force a particular outcome, to try and control a particular outcome or manipulate things. To think we're in a position to know and do better than God. And to burn ourselves out mentally, emotionally, and relationally, striving so hard for this picture that to us would be, that's the good life. If I could get there this year, then it would all the pieces would fall into place. And Jesus says, no, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all those other things will actually fall into place. So there's this dance of, agency and moving forward and taking responsibility, but also surrender. And that's a weird dance, um, but it's important. And I've been talking with a few people about this that I, and for me, I don't know if this is helpful for you, but for me, what it's framed are these two values um, that I want to be cultivating ambition without expectation. I want to be cultivating ambition for my relationships and my responsibilities, but I want to not have expectations of what that has to look like. I'm not saying I'm not expecting God to move or I don't expect good things to happen, and of course. But when I mean expectation, I mean, oh, if I focus on this in my marriage this year, this is what my marriage is going to look like by August. And then to get there and to be disappointed when God never promised that picture. What God said is, you follow me and grow in being a blessing to your wife and then surrender the outcome. You can pray for something, but it's always with, but not my will, yours be done. Ambition without expectation. So that's the first thing that I want to encourage you with. The planning and preparing for the year ahead is actually a spiritual discipline. It's actually important. It's a wise thing to do. It's a good thing to do. You don't have to do that before midnight tonight for it to count. You can take this week. You can take January and just slowly move into a process, which we'll talk about in a moment, to start saying, yeah, I want to be a bit, I don't want to be scattered. I don't want to feel overly busy and stretched. I don't want to feel like I'm um, an absent presence in my own life as I'm just moving through different, I want to I want this year to be different in the sense that I want to be grounded in God. How do we do that? Well, the first thing we do is we commit to moving forward with purpose and peace. It's not just about moving forward. It's not just about setting goals. We want to move forward with purpose and peace. I follow uh, two Christian psychologists uh, on Instagram uh, called Soul Shepherding. They have a podcast, really, really good, beautiful um, intertwining of psychological and theological depth and reflection as it relates to all kinds of dimensions of relationship. But they posted something on Instagram that I thought, oh, I, I saved this 
and I said, yeah, I need to, this is for me, and I want to share it with you, uh, because all of these don'ts are things that I do normally. So I, I'm speaking this out because I'm, I'm teaching what I need to, what I need to learn, and I hope it's important for you too. So here's how we don't want to approach, whether it's New Year's resolutions or goal setting or just moving with intention into 2024. We don't want to be overly idealistic. Why don't we want, why do you think two uh, thoughtful, theologically informed, psychologically informed Christian PhDs, husband and wife team said, you do not want to try and move into 2024 being overly idealistic. Any thoughts? Yeah, it can set up ridiculous expectations. It might come from a good place, but it can actually become a weight because we might be placing expectations on our lives for the next year that God isn't placing on our lives. God might be saying, for 2024, strategically, I want you to focus on these things. Oh God, don't worry about it. That ain't nothing. I've already, I've already tripled that. Um, it's not really the way it works, Jeff. I, I really, I've got, a, I've got a long view here. I've got a plan. And this is what I want to work on. I, I, can, I, can, I can crunch through that in three months, God. No. Idealism is often driven by insecurity, perfectionism, pride. So we don't want to do that. We also don't want to try and be heroic. Why don't we want to try and be heroic and set massive goals and amazing ambitions for all these areas of our lives? Why, why wouldn't we want to do that? What's that? Yeah, you're going to fail. And again, it's a burden. And spoiler alert, you're not the hero of your own story. Right? Heroes can act heroic. I'm not a hero. I'm, I delude myself into thinking I can be at times. But every time I do, I crash. So there has to be a humility. And to say an effective life, a God-honoring life, a fruitful life, isn't just about trying to willpower your way into this greater level leveling up and whatever other um, catchphrases I used to use to try and motivate myself. Compare yourself with others. Why don't you want to compare yourself with others? What's that? It's not free. Why isn't it free? I think that's totally true. Yeah. You aren't called to follow Jesus in particularly the same way as someone else's. All of our 2024, God has unique plans and purposes. So if we're taking our eyes off Jesus, and if I'm looking to someone else and sort of walking the road and patterning my walk off someone else, I mean, I'd be patterning off of very good things. Not that I can't learn from those people, but if I'm using them as the gauge, then I've really put them in the position of being my leader. And I want to put Jesus in the position. I want to fix my eyes on Jesus. Yes, be informed by people around me. Learn from wise people. Learn from other people's examples. But by fixing my eyes on Jesus. And lastly, why don't you want to depend only on yourself as you move into 2024? You can't do it all. And that's really offensive in our culture where we valorize people who seem to be able to do it all. When's the last time you saw someone valorized, celebrated because they were so good at asking for help? Tends not to happen, right? 
we are drawn to people who seem to be able to handle responsibilities that no one else can, that, that we look at, well, that would crush us. And so we're unconsciously invited into this idea that we should be self-sufficient. There's nothing in scripture about that, but we can believe that lie. And so we don't want to um, move forward in a way that says, okay, my plans, my goals, this is about me. I'm going to, you know, me, 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 me. It might be well-intended, but it's still self-centered. It's still distorted because we're going to need other people. So let's flip the script a little bit. And we're going to start with why. We're just going to try and get clear on why do I want this year to be different? Why is this important to me? We're going to focus on one change at a time. Why are we only focus on why are we only focusing on one change at a time? Baby steps. Often the way we lose our way, the way we get lost is baby steps that stack over time. And that's the way you get back on track. And I've heard testimonies, you've heard testimonies. Someone's in a ditch and they cry out to God. And it does seem like within a few weeks or a few months, they're like all of their life is transformed. And we celebrate those stories and they're awesome, but they're not normative. Often the way God moves us forward is by doing the next right thing. And doing the next right thing means being attentive to God, what are you calling me to do? And instead of, again, out of pride or insecurity, saying, oh, I'm going to do like 10 things. Here's my goals in every area of life. And, you know, I'm just going to crush 2024. We say, I'm going to take one thing at a time and build on it. It's called micro habits. We're learning so much more about the science of it. And often what happens is the crash, the resolution crash that happens. I mean, for some people, it's going to happen by Wednesday. For other people, by a week or two, comes from they tried to do too much too soon. One change at a time and be realistic. Again, don't be heroic. Just start small. And then this is obviously key for a Christian, that you learn to depend on God. This, your life isn't your own. The year ahead is not about you trying to control and um, produce a life. It's about you saying, God, I lay all that I am before you. And as, Paul, as um, Rob read from Romans, I want to be a living sacrifice for you this year. I want to bless you and bless other people. And I'm going to need to depend on you every day. And I'm going to seek support in that. I'm going to talk to at least one other trusted friend, maybe two or three. It could be a small group, it could be a mentoring group, it just could be a friend. And I'm going to check in with them every month or two. How's it going? What's working? What isn't? What do you need help with? Where have you seen God moving? Small little steps. You feel like you've got some good momentum there. Okay, what's something small that you can do to add to it? We want to move into the new year with purpose and peace. And lastly, um, something that's been very helpful for me, it's actually required of me as a covenant pastor. You have to do this when you come into the covenant. But it's not just for like super spiritual pastors like me. Um, as a joke, I'm not super spiritual. Um, it, it, it really is a great process for everyone to move through. I'm not going to move through the how to do it. There's a really great article from 2018 written by Jeremy Lineman that are in your handouts. You can just Google skip resolutions, make a life rule instead. And the reason is, is it will help you put those first two categories together. How do I plan and prepare for the year to come? And um, what does it look like for me to move forward with purpose and peace and this 
delicate balance of I want to be proactive and intentional, but also surrendered. And I want to develop a, a way of living that is sustainable, is actually life-giving. And it will help you do that. Um, it has some really good practical advice. It works you through what a rule of life is, which is essentially a document. It can be small, it can be large. Mine's about two pages long. That is an articulation of the kind of person and the kind of impact that you want to have. It's going to be different for every person, but it's very different than just goal setting, right? Because you can set goals and achieve goals and become a more terrible person in the process of doing that, right? Um, Jason at Balfour and I, we do walks every other Wednesday. We just process our own spiritual questions and challenges. And he said, you know, what I'm finding is I have to be careful that I don't overcommit myself because he said, when I overcommit myself in terms of my responsibilities, I can get it all done, but I don't like the person that I am getting it done. I don't like, I don't like being with my kids, but not really being with my kids because I'm waiting for them to go to bed because I got to finish this email. Or I don't like meeting with someone from the church and halfway through the conversation realize I'm not really meeting with them. I'm already thinking about what I have to be doing two hours from now. Maybe no one else sees it. Maybe no one else feels it. You get away with it. But his thing is, like, I don't want that. I know the kind of pastor I want to be. I know the kind of Christian I want to be. I know the kind of father I want to be because he's worked through a rule of life that can hold him accountable to that. And it's not about goal setting. It's about what's the trajectory of my character formation. He says goals are overrated commitments are underrated because goals are about results, but commitments are about a process and about a priority that you keep coming back to, right? There's a difference between saying, I'm going to run a marathon this year. Going to do it on the board, August 31st, done. That's different than saying, I am going to learn how to eat well, move more often, and work up to running four times a week uh, by the summer. One's a rule of life. The first one is a goal. But the rule of life is more than the goal. You do those things, you'll be able to run a marathon. But you will also have matured and grown in other ways. It's not just about, oh, well, I achieved the goal, now what? It's like, no, I want to become the kind of person who can do this. He says a goal is something you want to achieve, like running a marathon, but a commitment is a rhythm of life that puts you in a place to get there such as running four miles five days a week. And so developing a rule of life and reviewing it consistently can really help us discern God's calling in our life. It slows us down to reflect on what's important. And again, at every stage of life, this is important. It doesn't matter whether you're a teenager, young adult, maybe you feel like you have a lot of margins in your schedule. Maybe you're like me and you're like, I have no margins. All of my margins are spoken for. Um, it's still important for us to slow down. Maybe you're retired. Every stage of life, we need to revisit our rule of life and say, God, what are you calling me, not just to do, but who are you calling me to be at this point in my life? How are you calling me to grow? Where am I being asked to grow? What am I excited about? What patterns do I want to strengthen? What ways of living, ways of relating do I want to slowly start allowing God to put to death. 
I don't stand here as someone who looks out at the horizon of 2024 and says, oh, this is where we're going as a church. This is where I'm going. I don't know what's next. I don't know what's next for our church. I don't even know what's next for myself. I have a hard time imagining life like two or three years from now. But I actually think that's healthy for me because it put me in a position where I have to more faithfully trust God. And as I've learned to do that, even imperfectly, by following some of these processes, there really is a peace that has come over my life. I've learned that trying to anticipate the future is futile, and instead I want to focus on rearranging my life so that God can prepare me for what is to come. That's often my prayer. God, prepare me for what is to come. Prepare me for what is to come. Because if I do that, I'll be ready for anything. And not just in a like defensive, like, oh, I'll be ready uh, but also in a sense of like, I will be prepared to enter into those things with joy. I'll be able to enter into those things with confidence. I'll be able to enter into those things with peace and purpose. So as we prepare for 2024, three things to put before you. A Christian is someone who's going to plan and prepare for what is to come. A Christian is going to seek to move forward with purpose and peace. And a Christian is someone who's working to develop a rule of life that will keep them from living in a way that is scattered and hurried and reactive and exhausted. Let's pray.